you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7. And while you're on your way there, we'll talk about Romans 14, 17, because in Romans 14, 17, it says that we don't live by ritual. Matter of fact, it says we're, it's not about meat and drink. It's not a, the kingdom of God is not a physical thing. It's not meat nor drink. It's not ritual, but it's righteousness, peace, righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there's three things that you'll experience when you come into the kingdom of God. Righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And Romans 1.16 says that it's the gospel, it's the good news. How many of you know that gospel means good news from the battlefield? Good news from the battlefield can only mean one thing. You won. He said, the gospel is the good news. It's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For herein, or in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And Romans 5.17 says that righteousness is a gift from God. You receive a gift of righteousness. Matter of fact, you were saved by grace and through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works lest anyone could boast. You couldn't get yourself saved. Matter of fact, you didn't even have the faith to get it done. It was his faith and his grace. So that tells me that he probably cares about you. What do you think? Yeah. But now he cares for everyone, but certain people qualify themselves. It's like many are called, but few are chosen. Well, few, few make the right choice is all that it is. Like, you know, there are people out there right now today that they think that they have more time and they might not even have another week. And I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about you don't have any promise of tomorrow. What you have is today. But anyway, in John 7.37, Jesus talking and he had watched. This was the last day of the feast, the festival of the water pouring. And he stood, he stood there all week watching them do, go through their ritual, go through their celebration of God. And, um, and, and he realized that, you know, like, like they've got this habit, they've got this ritual that they go through, but they don't have any relationship. They were lacking a relationship. They had gotten into the habit of going to church. In this case, it was the festivals, but in many cases today, it could be, I have a habit of going to church. Let me just say this about that. It's a much better habit than not going to church. <laughs> Come on, Hebrews ten twenty five says, not to forsake the, yourselves of the assembly uh, together as some do, but even more as you see the end approaching. Like, like how many of you know? How many of you can see that maybe the end might be approaching? And so you'd have thought that people, but I, I, I just, I guess people think that they've got more time. And we really don't have a promise of tomorrow. That's why, like as Rob taught on Thursday night, you know, today, today's what you got. Matter of fact, the last verse of Matthew chapter 6 says, take no thought for tomorrow. You know, what you have for sure is today. <laughs> and today he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. And so we respond to that love. But here in John seven thirty seven, 
In the last day, the great day of the feast, the festival of the water pouring, Jesus cried out and he didn't call out to everybody. He didn't call everybody. He said, if you're thirsty, if you're satisfied with the ritual, if you're satisfied with your routine, if you're satisfied with your career choice, if you're satisfied with your home life, if you're satisfied with the way the kids are growing up, and if you're satisfied, I'm not calling you. I'm calling the one that's thirsty. If you're thirsty, if any man is thirsty, any man is thirsty, let him come on to me and let him think. Let him come on to me and let him drink. It kind of reminds me of, remember when uh, Bill Clinton was the president, he said he smoked, but he didn't inhale. He was at a party and he smoked, but he didn't inhale. And I thought, well, at that time I was inhaling quite a bit. <laughs> but I thought, well, lots of people go to church like that. You smoke, but you don't inhale. You never get high. Pass it on. No, you, you have to inhale. If any man's thirsty, let him come on to me and let him drink. And drinking is an act of your will. It's like saying, I don't care. I love the person sitting next to me, but I don't care about what they think of me. I don't care about what they think about me because I came. I didn't come for a ritual. I came to make contact with God. And there's a corporate anointing when we get together and praise and worship, and he's here, and I don't have to come in here and wonder. I can come in here and plug into him. But again, it's an act of my will. He might tell, tell me to take off and run around the church. Why would he do that? Because he wants to humiliate you? No, because he wants you free. He wants you free about, of, of what I would think about you. You know, check your life. If you spend a lot of time criticizing others, it's because you don't like you. You, you, you need to get free of you. <laughs> you need to break out from the chains that you wrapped yourself in. Well, those people bother me. No, no. No, no, you bother you, and you're projected out on somebody else. <laughs> and yet his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And I can tell, you know, from pastoring a church over 20-some-odd years, a lot of people have never experienced happy. They never, ever got a grin on their grill. They're just, you know, coming in coming into church and hoping that somebody can pump me up a little bit instead of coming in and saying, I'm going to meet with God. Whatever God has for me today, I'm getting it. I don't care. And I'm not in a hurry. I don't have anywhere to be this afternoon that's more important than being in the presence of God this morning. So I'm not thinking about that right now. I know I'm going to go have a good meal somewhere after, but that's not my focus. Let's read the next verse. He that believeth on me... As the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow a trickle, a drip, a drip of living water. That's not what it says. It says that there's rivers of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And we're about to experience those rivers flowing in the body of Christ. Now if we go to Psalm uh, 42. Now this is David. He's a king. He's got lots of responsibilities. He's got lots of employer employees, rather. He's got a, 
how many of you know that you know anybody in a management position has responsibilities, right? Your family, your father, you have a responsibility. Your mother, you have responsibilities. But look at this. He said, as the deer pants after the water brooks, so my soul pants after you, God. My soul is thirsty for you, for the living God. Come on. He, but how, he created this appetite. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, he said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Or is that chapter 5? But, but anyway, you create an, ap, an, attitude, an attitude. Yesterday, I smoked some ribs in my smoker. I put them on at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I cooked them the 3 two, one method. That's three hours in the smoke, two hours in the smoke again wrapped in tin foil, and then one hour open and exposed with fresh treatment. And so just telling you about that probably got your, you know. <laughs> what I'm saying is I declare, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. I remember one time when I lived down near Pastor Paul, a couple doors away, I saw a buck running down the road right in front of the house, and he was running so hard his tongue was hanging out way out past his mouth, and he was just panting for all he was worth. I, may, I don't know if coyotes were chasing him or something serious was going on, and, and this verse came to me. How desperate I am for a move of the Spirit of God. How desperate I am to see Canada for Christ. And, and, and so it's not about me anymore. It's a, it's, there's, a bigger, there's a bigger picture. I have a responsibility. Uh, I, I read the other day, how many of you know who Drew Brees is? If you're a football fan, you know who Drew Brees is. He's probably one of the best quarterbacks that ever lived. But anyway, he won a Super Bowl a bunch of years ago. That's the goal for the football player. But this past year, he played, he wanted his teammates. He's got new teammates. They've never experienced that win. And so he wanted his teammates to experience that. And so he played the whole season with a torn rotator cuff. He had 11 cracked ribs and a punctured lung. He only missed four games out of the 16. He played all year because he, wanted his, because he wasn't playing for the name on the back of his shirt. On the back of your shirt is your name. On the front of your shirt is the team name. He wanted to play for the team. And his mother said, his mother, his wife rather said, I've wept for him all week. Because, you know, in the big game, he threw four uh, turnovers, you know, caused the team really to lose the game because his play was subpar. But she said, I wept for him all week because he's such a godly man. He loves God and he loved those teammates so much that he would have sacrificed himself. And I thought, wow, let's be like that in church. No, let's be that. Let's be that for each other. Let's really cooperate so that we can get something done for God and to realize how important you are, that you weren't born 100 years ago. I keep bringing that up. You were born in this last days because there's some juice in you that God's going to use. Smith Wigglesworth raised 23, 24 people from the dead, and we're all working on our first one. I know that. But he was a plumber and didn't even start preaching until he was almost 50. So, so I don't even know where you're at age-wise or, or how you see yourself, 
but God sees a whole lot more potential in you than you do. And if you're going through a lot of trouble, it's the devil sees your potential as well. <laughs> if he sees your potential, he's going to come after you every day. And as long as you keep dealing with them in the natural, you'll blame other people. But when you realize it's principalities and powers and rules of darkness and spiritual weaknesses is really coming against you to stop you from becoming all that you're meant to be. You only get a glimpse of that. See why you were created. You have a destiny. You're an heir with God and a joint heir with Jesus. Hallelujah. You're full of the Holy Ghost. So being full of the Holy Ghost is full of power and glory. The power, the potential that's on the inside of you. I'm telling you, it's explosive. It's explosive like a nuclear bomb. <laughs> But you have to learn how to set the, you know, you can't build a nuclear bomb from stuff you got in your house, right? You got, but the stuff that you need, God has already given you. It's already in you. And that's why he said, it's the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe the same mighty power that he worked upon Christ when he raised him from the dead. The same power. He didn't say it was in the pastor. He said it's in you. He said, I pray that you'll understand this, the exceeding greatness of his power. Working toward you as you believe. The key, you don't even have to perform it. All you have to do is believe it. Come on, in Romans 4, Abraham said, what he has promised, he's power to perform. He, he said he not only did he promise it, but he's going to perform it. He's not asking you to do it. He's just asking you to believe it. He's not asking you to do it. He's asking you to believe it. He's asking you to come into a church service on a Sunday morning so on fire that if Ashton doesn't get the thing started, you'll start it without her. No, I'm serious. Come on. You, you, know, we're, this, you know, praise and worship is not time to raise the dead. It's time to celebrate the Lord. Been thinking about you all week. God can't wait to worship you for everything that you've done, everything that you are. I celebrate you that I live in Canada. Do we have troubles? Yeah, but I've been to other countries. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is awesome. Yeah. Praise God. He said, my soul thirsts for God. Let's go to Psalm 63. It's a better one over there. Verse 1, oh, God, you're my God. Early will I get on Facebook. No. <laughs> oh, no, that's just not what it says. Uh, social media, no. Can I just make a strong suggestion for everybody sitting here? Stop watching the news. It's not news, it's propaganda. So is the entertainment industry. They, you know, people think that, they th that they're thinking for themselves. No, it's being shaped every time that you tune into that stuff. It's shaping how you look at life. This is how you look at life. I don't care what... Laws they pass and transgender this and all of that and the other thing, killing babies. They were killing babies. If you're reading through the Bible with us, it started in the book of Exodus. Kill all the Jewish males. Like this is not new stuff, but it's the same spirit. 
in the spirits that took over Washington aren't the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has got this. What about all the prophets and the prophecies didn't seem to come true? It's not over yet. Mm -mm. It's not over because I read Psalm 2 on a regular basis. Why doth the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing and come against our God and his Christ? Pass the rules against God and against Christ, mocking God. Hallelujah. Not going to work. My Bible says he sits in the heavens and he laughs because in his presence is fullness of joy. And he's been to the end. He knows your end. He's been to the end and he said, now let's begin. Let's walk this out. No, no, it's kind of like sometimes when I watch a football game, uh, um, Paul knows I, I'm not a fan of Tom Brady, so whenever he's playing a game, I'll record it. And if he does well, I won't watch it. <laughs> but if I know he's going to get stuffed, ah, what? <laughs> I won't talk about that much, though, because... I could say something about his wife, too, but it's not my place to judge. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul is thirsty after you, and my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Mm. Let's go back to Psalm 42. I left out something really good back there that I just thought about. Psalm 42 and verse 7 says this. Deep calls on to the deep. In the King James, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Deep calls on to deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All of thy waves and billows are gone over us. Yet the Lord commanded his loving kindness in the daytime and at the night. His song shall be with us. My prayer unto God is my life. It really saying here, my deep need calls out to his deep grace and his deep mercy and his deep love for me. Again, deep, deep, maybe it's deep intercession. Maybe it's Romans 8, 26. I don't know how to pray like I ought to. And so the Holy Ghost begins to pray through me with groanings that cannot be articulated with regular speech. I pray in the alphabet and he puts the words together the way that he wants them because it's a perfect prayer. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen, praying in the Holy Ghost. But ye, beloved, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God. Ooh, hallelujah, what a deal. What a deal, Corinthians 14, 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself, builds himself a spiritual house. You're praying in other tongues, your head doesn't even know what you're talking about, and, and in the spirit you're building something. You're building, you're putting up walls of protection. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm back now back to 63 here. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What he's saying here, and it's basically again at what Rob taught on Thursday night. Seeking first, you're, nothing else, 
you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the the, the two and the great commandments, and all this hang the prophets and, and, the, and all the law and the prophets. So we understand, but I can't love my wife unless I know her. I mean, I was infatuated with her when we met, but it took getting to know her. You have to get to, and the more you know, the more you know about God. No, but you'll get caught up in his love. It's, again, it's not a ritual. It's a relationship. You're not trying to perform for him. He performed for you. You're not trying to, you know, I had one guy one day years ago said, I just wanted to die for Christ. I said, no, no, you don't need to die for him. He wants you to live for him. He died for you. You got it backwards. I understand that you want to be spiritual and say that, but that's not spiritual at all. That's dumb. Everybody say that's dumb. No, no, religion, religious, you know, you think about some of the religions out there, they want you to die. <laughs> it's not funny, but it, but how, how, how dumb can people be to believe that? How dumb can people believe to be to believe Fox News, CBS, NBC, and to, to believe these things that these people are telling us? Especially, and it's not necessary today because you can go and get your own information. You can research things for yourself. Anyway. But anyway, he said, I'm, I'm so thirsty for you. Why? Why? Why, God? You know, we're talking about the glory in the last days. Look at this. To see your power in your glory. I'm hungry to see your power in your glory. I'm tired of watching people come to church sick and leave sick. I'm tired of see, seeing people come to church broke and leave broke. I'm tired of that. When all the power of the universe is sitting up inside the Christians in the church. No need. I mean, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be with him on the shores of Galilee? No. No, not compared to this. He, no, come on. He, he said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, I'm going away so that I can send you another comforter just like me. So the Holy Ghost is here, and he's just like him. And so if you can't receive from the Holy Ghost, then you wouldn't have gotten anything from a man. You'd have, saw, you'd have seen a man. You might have heard about him. But you know what? I could bring in uh, some of the best healing ministries in the world and bring them in here and people and, and people wouldn't get healed or maybe get it and not be able to keep it because it because you didn't get by your didn't get it through faith and who who could i bring more powerful than the holy ghost that's in you right where am I going to contact any more power than that? The exceeding greatness of his power unto us that believe. That he strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ would dwell in your heart by faith and you'd be rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all the saints. That we have the breadth, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. And that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Why do I need to find somebody? Why do I need somebody to pray for me? 
Oh, I know that, you know, the power of agreement, I understand that. But really, when you stop thinking, start to think about it, the greatest power, the power that created the universe is, is bottled up on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To see your power in your glory. That word early in verse 1, it's the word shekhar, and it means first in purpose. And then he goes on and he says to, to manifest your power and to show your glory. That's what I'm about. Verse 2, oh, Lord, that I could manifest your power and show your glory as I've seen in the sanctuary. Because your loving kindness. You know, the word good comes out of the root word God. Good is the essence of God. He's good all the time. Matter of fact, in the Hebrew, it's ki tov. It's most good. Like there's good, better. There's most, God is most good. And he's most good toward you. And he wants to help you more than you want to help you. The only way that he can help you is Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible. It doesn't say it's highly unlikely. It says, without faith, it's impossible. Because the just shall live by faith. I can live by fear. I can live by faith. I get to choose every day what I believe. I can believe God or I can believe my circumstance. If I believe God, my circumstance will change. If I believe my circumstance, I'll be going around the mountain. We read about the Hebrew people going around there for 40 years, and we think how dumb they were, and we're doing the same thing. No, I shouldn't say we. Some of the people that are watching my live stream. <laughs> Most of us have got it together right now. Right? Amen. He said, because your loving kindness, that's hesed, that's covenant kindness. Covenant kindness is not based on anything you do. Covenant kindness is, you know, it's, it's like in Samuel chapter 9, when David sent for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth means shameful thing, but he was a, a, a son of Jonathan. And so because David had a covenant with Jonathan, he said, is there anybody left of Saul's family that I can show Hesed, loving kindness to? They said, yeah, there is this Mephibosheth. There is this shameful thing living out in Dothan, out in the desert with Maker, and uh, he's lame in both of his feet. He can't even walk. And David sends him to get him. And, of course, the reason why Mephibosheth was hiding is because he assumed when the new king comes in, he kills all the offspring of the other king. So he was hiding because he thought he was going to die. So he's sitting at home, crippled up one day, and he sees the chariots of the king coming to pick him up. And they scoop him up and drop him in the chariot. And he's going in before the king thinking that this is the way a lot of you were. You were running away from God, thinking that he was out to get you. And he was, but not in the way you thought. Yeah. Matter of fact, he brought him in. And he said, this guy's going to eat at my table continually. He prepares a table before even in the presence of your enemies. <laughs> Mephibosheth said, why would you look on such a dead dog as I? David didn't even respond. He said, you got a covenant here. Yeah. He said, everything that's been stolen from you, I'm about to restore it. He said, I'll restore everything that the devil's stolen from me. Read Joel chapter 2, the days we're living in right now. 
So we'll talk about restoration. Talk about restoring everything to the church before the end of the day. He's coming back for a glorious... Come on, you, you know, you get, the bride is getting dressed up. <laughs> no, no, she's going to be dressed up. Not going to be tattered and torn and beat up by some government. Look at this. So, but here's the deal. He said, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall complain about everything that's going on in the world right now. Look at verse 4. Thus I will bless you while I live. My life is about praising you, God. My life is not about looking at circumstances. My life is about worshiping you. And when I worship you, it's an individual thing. I can't even see anybody else around me when I close my eyes and worship you. I worship you, not because of what you've done for me. No, because of who you are. I can praise you for what you've done. But, 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 but I'm not a prostitute. I'm not here serving you for what I can get from you because you pay my bills and buy my clothes. No, no, I'm not that. I'm here because I love you no matter what. Job said, that's, what, that's, that's the thing that I liked about Job, even when his wife tried to talk him out of it. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> I don't know what kind of wife you got, but... <laughs> While I live, I will lift up my hands. Why do they lift up their hands in church? I, re I remember going to Rock Church years, 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 years ago. I've been, I'm the ancient of days, so it's a long time ago. Uh, but I remember they were, they had this Pentecostal two-step that Pastor Ted and Pastor Paul would do. I'm not even going to try to do it. And, and they would dance up in the front. How many of you know white men can't dance? Anyway, uh, it was funny. No, it was funny. It was funny. It was funny. <laughs> they had no rhythm at all, either one of them. Uh, if you're watching, I apologize, but it's the truth. Okay. But I remember people were doing this. And I remember the day that I broke free and did that. No, I, and, and that made me perspire. And then the next time, you know, I did that. And then finally this. And then I went to Christian View Church, and they asked me to take up the offering. I thought, wow, God's going to trust me with his money. But yeah, yeah, nervous, nervous, nervous. Don't want to ever lose that respect, but uh, fear's not of the Lord either, so... While I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied. With the marrow and fatness in my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, that means I'm not laying awake at 3 o'clock in the morning worrying about what's going to happen the next day. Worry, 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 worry. Worry is just counterfeit prayer, people. If you really believe in God, he said, I give my beloved sleep. Whatever you're worrying about, it's not going to happen. You know, God, God's bigger than all of that. So he said, well, I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. N night watches, not nightmares. 
because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. So when I'm lying there and I don't have negative expectations. Being a Christian means you don't have any negative expectations. Matter of fact, you may have sinned and missed the Lord already today. But, you, you, but your expectation is not punishment. You expect some comfort and some correction, but you never, but you never experience uh, a judgment or condemnation or shame. And again, I go back to what Paul said in Corinthians 7 and verse 2. He said, receive us, we've wronged no man. The guy had been there at the murder of Stephen. I mean, the guy had messed up through his life, and yet he could say that because he knew how to receive God's forgiveness. Like Peter, when he stood up again in Acts chapter 2 and preached on the day of Pentecost, there was 119 more people in the upper room that were more qualified than him because he had denied the Lord Jesus three times. He didn't mention that. He didn't apologize for it. He said, this is that, spoken by the prophet Joel. That's, when you learn how to recover like that, you're walking in God. If you're going to beat yourself up for a few days first, you're not. Judas couldn't forgive himself, so he went out and hung himself. What a, what a tragedy. Two people with the same opportunity. One went on to write Mark's gospel and uh, First and Second Peter. Right? The other guy, he took the three pieces of silver and bought a potter's field. And so you can go to Israel and see the potter's field that that's all that's left of him. And the fact that he's sitting in hell right now, 2,000 years later, still thinking about how he sold the Messiah for 30 pieces of silver. You talk about hell, that would be hell. And you know, when you think about hell, it's not a funny thing because it's eternal. It's not like you're going to be put in, in, in isolation for a, a, a week or two or a year or two. It's the thoughts of being incarcerated forever in a place where there's odor, darkness, and weeping, and wailing, and gnashing of teeth. If I was a Christian in a backslidden condition right now, I would be making my way back to church. Once saved, always saved. Pastor, well, maybe. I can show you verses that will support that. And I can show you uh, verses like the five foolish virgins that tell you maybe, an, maybe another story. But all I'm saying is, why would you want to take a chance? Yeah. Why would you risk eternity for whatever it is that you're enjoying right now? Man. <laughs> so it's not a negative expectation based on fear. We're looking for the power and the glory. It's not even, it's not even a, a neutral expectation. How many of you know what a neutral expectation is? Let's, let's go to church and wait and see what happens. No, be the one that's coming to make it happen. No, you, you can be the one that's coming to make it happen for somebody else. You, you can be the one that'll walk across an aisle and, and say hi to somebody that you don't know. That, that makes you uncomfortable to do that, maybe. And, but you can be the one that... I remember one time we had this guy who came to church for years, and he, he, he joined the church because Dorothy Hearn hugged him in the foyer. Remember that guy? He's still going to church somewhere. He's just not with us anymore. But a hug in the foyer changed the man's life, changed his direction in life because somebody cared about him. It's pretty awesome. And I don't have any misguided expectations either. 
I'm, I'm believing God over in Haggai chapter 1 and chapter 2. Yes, I think it's interesting that Haggai, Haggai and Zechariah, the, the two books are there together. And um, they're two young men. Matter of fact, they t- tell us that they were in their late teens or early 20s when they, when they came to Jerusalem. And the reason why they came to Jerusalem was, well, back it up, back it up, back it up. They came to Jerusalem at the time of Ezra chapter 4. So when you read Ezra chapter 4, you can jump right in here and see why they came. But before they came, there was a, the, the, the Babylonian Empire fell and the Medo, Medo-Persian Empire rose with Cyrus the Great and, and Darius. And Cyrus and Darius came in, and when they came in to uh, take over the Babylon, they, they, they found all of the things that had been taken away from the Jews in Jerusalem from the temple, and they made a decree to rebuild the temple again in Jerusalem and to send the people home. So they sent them home, and that's, that's why they compared Donald Trump to Cyrus the Great, because because Donald Trump did the exact same thing. Cyrus was not a believer at the time. I don't know how he ended up, but he made a decree to to rebuild Jerusalem. Uh, Donald Trump moved the embassy back into Jerusalem and acknowledged the city of Jerusalem as the Jewish headquarters for, you know, for the first time in over 2,000 years. So all the other things, all the, all the other, the stuff he did wrong, the stuff other people did wrong, it was all about... That one thing. He was fulfilling history by moving the embassy back to Jerusalem and acknowledging Jerusalem. And so whether you like him, hate him, we're not, not here to debate that. But at that time, at the time when this was going on, that anointing was there. Matter of fact, if you read through it, after Haggai and Zechariah, Nehemiah comes along and rebuilds the walls. And so the time that we're living in, matter of fact, you know, you read Isaiah 45 and he says, Cyrus, I called you by your name before you knew me. 250 years before you were born, I called you by name. And this is what I've called you to do. And so he went and did, he said, I'll open up before you the two leaf gates. I cut and center the bars of brass and cut and center the bars of iron. And, 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 and that's exactly what happened. And nations would make a shift when that happened. And so we're still living, we're living today. So when we read Haggai chapter 1 and chapter 2 and briefly look through it, it's not a history lesson. It's now. The thing that has been is the thing that shall be, and there's nothing new under the sun. That's Solomon 1.9. Things keep, history keeps repeating itself. That's the way it was set up. And so we're living in that time. It's our time, not theirs. And we, we need to know that, that God's about to make a money. And again, I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking, if one of those people in the White House is one of your favorite people, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and the spirits of wickedness in the heavenlies. I'm not promoting a Republican or a Democrat. They both got demons in them. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what's going on in the realm of the spirit. And so don't get upset about that, okay? So just after Ezra chapter 4 and Haggai chapter 1, it's September of 520 B.C. It's the fall festival time. It's the season of Teshuvah. 
How many of you know what Teshiva is? Teshiva starts at Eul 1. Eul 1 is the first day of the sacred calendar for the Jewish people. And they have 40 days. The Catholic Church reversed it around, put it in the spring and called it Lent. But, but they had 40 days leading up to the 40th day would be Yom Kippur, where they had one last opportunity to repent before the Lord. And so the last 40 days of the year, they would be searching themselves to make sure that, that, that everything was going to be all right. So, so this is what we're looking at right here. In verse 1, it gives you the setting. In the second year of Darius, the king. So we know, we know what time it was. And then it says, came the word of the Lord. So we know the source. This came from God. This came from God for them, but it also came from God to us. And I, I'm just, I'll mention this. When you read through this book, I think 10 or 11 times, he refers to the Lord as the Lord of hosts. That's the Lord of armies. And so I've never seen a book, two pages of book like this, where the Lord of Armies is mentioned so many times. He's letting you know that the hour that you're living in right now, God is about to pick a fight. And again, it's about Psalm 63, to see your power and your glory. Come on, Hebrews 2.10, the captain of our salvation came to restore many sons back to what? Back to glory. Habakkuk 2.14, what about the glory? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth just like Noah's flood covered the sea. The knowledge of the glory, revelation knowledge of the glory is about to be manifest. So, so this is critical that we understand where we're at right now. Because I realize that before I can change the world, I have to change myself. <laughs> no, before I can change the world, I need to change my ways. If, if I've got it all together, like sometimes I think I do, I used to think I had it all together more back in the 90s than I do now. Now I realize that I need the Lord more than ever. But you know what I mean? If I don't change something, what's going to change? I really need to change something in my life, and it's not the big thing. It's not the big thing. We went from having communion every Sunday to not having it at all. That was a mistake, but... You, you, you're trying things because you don't know what to do. And so you try things. You try things in your prayer life. Like I remember a friend of mine, he found out that Smith Wigglesworth had communion at 4 o'clock every morning, so he got up and did it. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead yet because God called him to do it. But there's something in my daily routine that needs to change. I like it better this way. There's something <laughs> in your daily routine. <laughs> you better suck it up, sister. <laughs> no, no, but we're looking and we're saying, God, we see here and we want to see here happen here. I read the book of Acts and it's because they took action. They acted on the They acted like the Bible was true, didn't they? <laughs> they actually acted like it was true and they expected and they had expectations. Glory to God. So, okay, let's, verse two, it says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. 
You've been distracted by living in the suburbs. You've been distracted by living in Middle Musket of it. You've been distracted by something. And you're saying now is not the time. Listen, this is a message of urgency in a time of great discouragement. This is this message. They started rebuilding the temple in 539 BC. It's now 520 BC. 19 years have gone by and all they have is the foundation laid. That's it. 19 years to build a foundation for your house. How serious is that? And so Haggai comes down here and he's just what he's wanting to talk to them about. He's saying, hey, you've been building your own life while neglecting the life of God that's in you. Busy working on your own thing, your own house. Let's read it. Then came the word of the Lord to Haggai, the prophet, saying, is it time for you? Is it time for you to be building your own house? And this house is laid waste. He's not talking about the church building. He's talking about you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And what's going on in the inside is more important than what you're doing on the outside. Your activities on the outside are consuming the time that you need to be spending on the inside. Jesus said to the disciples, couldn't you pray with me an hour? And the answer was sadly, no, they couldn't. And if you would say it again today, I wonder how we would fare because we're so caught up in other things. So he said, now for, therefore, says the Lord, in verse 5, consider your ways. Notice it doesn't say consider his. He's the Lord and he doesn't change. We're not considering his ways. His ways are, are awesome. His ways are good. You know, I just find that in the world today, we're drowning in information and Starving for wisdom. And yet he tells us clearly in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed by, to this world or informed by this world. Don't get, your, don't get your belief system from this world system. They're indoctrinating you. Are they doing it on purpose? Yes. Yes. I've watched TV programs and you get interested in a series and the first year it's okay. And then the second year they start slipping things in there that you didn't want to see. So now all of a sudden you're turning your head away from it. No, turn your button off it. Amen to that. Okay. He said, you've sown much and you bring in little. You drink and you're not satisfied. You're busy building your own life while neglecting his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand pleasures forevermore. His presence. The Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost didn't come just to give you goosebumps and cause you to run around in the church service. He came to abide in you, to walk in you, that you'd be his people. He, he, he wants to hang out with you. He wants to be your best friend. He doesn't want you to, to come when you're in a jam and say, God, can you help me out? No, he's there all day, every day. Trust in him with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. All, you, all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. He said, I want to direct your steps. I want to walk with you. I want to be with you. So he said, you drink, you're not filled, you're clothed, but, but you're not warm. In other words, you're living in a hollow blessing. You're living in a hollow blessing. I, I lived in my closet the other day and I'm looking up on the shelf and there's 
jeans up there that still have the tags on them. Bought and never, never worn. And I remember back when I first got saved, I had a couple of pairs. I had three pairs of jeans, two pairs I put in the, in the laundry in the, in the apartment building. When I went back to get them, somebody else liked them. And now I got one pair of jeans. Like, I remember that. I, re- I remember those days. I'm not living in those days now. But I, but I also realize that I wouldn't care if I had a closet full of brand new stuff. It doesn't satisfy me. I, I don't mean that I'm not grateful. I'm just saying, that's not what I want. I want you. I got to have you, God. I got to have you. People will come and people will go. You're the only constant in the chaos. He said, and then he said, then you, you make the money, but it goes into a bag with holes in it. You can never get ahead. No matter how hard you work, you can't get ahead. Every time I start making a little headway, something breaks. I wonder how that happened. Well, let's read what it says. Verse 7. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain. I'm giving you an opportunity. Bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. In other words, start hanging with me and... I will be glorified in your life. Verse 9, you've looked for much and brought in little. And when you brought it in, I, the Lord of hosts, blew on it. What? He said, I'm going to blow it so you don't blow it. I'm going to blow it before you blow it. (laughs) You're going to blow it on something that's not going to satisfy you. So I'm going to blow it away on you anyway to see if I can get your attention. What if he's only after your attention? What if he's saying, hey, behold, I stand at the door and knock. We're thinking it's some unsaved person. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, no, he set up a beachhead in your life when you got born again. But now, now he wants to get out and do something. Christ in you, the hope of. Christ in you, the hope of. He's saying, let me out. I want to reach the world through you. I'm going to make you really uncomfortable, and we're going to do some holy things. Run around the church, make you look silly? Yes, to get you free from yourself. So you can do the important stuff later. He said, you brought in money, and I blew on it. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house is waste, and it's every man for his own house. And again, again, we're not talking about a church building. This would be a great time to take up an offering, but that's really not what he's talking about. Matter of fact, Hebrews 12 says, whose house are we? We're his house that he's talking about. And that's good news. It's going to get to turn into good news a little later on here. <laughs> well, let's jump over to chapter 2. In chapter 2, in verse 6, is where we are right now. You could write... 2021, right in there and not miss it at all. It's where we're at. Everybody's talking about what the devil's doing. The devil's doing nothing. He is nothing. He has nothing. He can do nothing. He's a defeated foe. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. He goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't say he's a lion says he goes around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. That means, that means 
he, if I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, he can't touch me. He can roar, but it's a toothless roar. No, it is. It's like, roar, roar, roar. Remember that, roar, roar. That's the noise the devil makes. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be steadfast and unmovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. Your labor's not in vain. You get a bill you weren't expecting, laugh at it, and turn it over to God. Something tries to come on your body, say, hey, by his stripes I was healed and made whole. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every time that rises up against me in judgment will be condemned for my sake. This is my heritage. This is my blood-bought right in Christ. Hallelujah. So verse 6 of chapter 2. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, that saith again the armies. Yet in a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. We don't have time to go to Psalm 29, but if we did, we'd read the second last verse and understand what's happening. It's all about his glory. It's about his glory. I'm telling you right now. I will shake all the nations. I will shake. China is shaking. The Arab countries are shaking. The Middle East is shaking. America is shaking. Canada is shaking. I will shake the nations. And the desire of all nations shall come. But look at this. And I will fill. I will fill. What house? This house with my glory, says the Lord of armies. Verse 8. I want you to know that the money's coming. I want you to know that the wealth of the wicked has been laid up in store for the just. It's on its way. I'm in the restoration business. He's saying the gold and the silver doesn't belong to Bill Gates. The gold and the silver doesn't belong in the Silicon Valley. The gold and the silver are mine. How does he connect that with us? The next verse. The glory of this latter house. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of armies. There's another one. I missed it. That's 12. In this place will I give, and in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I'd like to, I'd like to, because this is the time we're living in, because we've just seen this same thing, the the switch to Jerusalem with the embassy and all of those other things that we saw, and realize that this is the time that we're living in, the rebuilding of the temple, Nehemiah coming to rebuild the walls and all of those things happening, then we need to read verse 18. Consider now, from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the nine month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barren? Yes. And yet in the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate tree and the olive tree hath brought forth for this, from this day. You might want to underline that last part of verse 19 and claim it for yourself. From this day, 
from, from this day, I'll bless you. Can you back that up with other scripture? Yeah, you can go to Numbers 23, 19, where he said, I'm not the man that I would lie, or the son of man that I would repent. I've made a commandment to bless, and no man can reverse it. You're blessed. You're Ephesians 1, 3, blessed with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. You're blessed. You're blessed, and no one can curse you but you. So stop it. Don't say any more ugly stuff about you. Don't you talk trash about yourself. You're created in the image and likeness of God. You might be too fat, too thin, too tall, too short, none of your business. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. See, I'm created in the image and the likeness of God. I'm God quality stuff. God doesn't make any trash, any junk. Can we look at a couple more verses? Oh, yeah. Just over in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. So the Old Testament uh, word for glory is kabod or kabod. And it, it simply means heavy. It's heavy. Everything about God is heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy with everything that he is, everything that he has, everything that he can do. I could give you about, about a, a page of, of what it means, but I like heavy. Because I can tell when the anointing gets strong, it gets heavy. Yeah. Sometimes when you pray for people, the anointing is heavy, and they fall out in the spirit because, because his presence is heavy. In the New Testament, it's the word doxa, D-O-X-A. And it means numbers. It means numbers. It means God's going to increase you. But it means also majesty, excellence, power, honor. It means wealth. It means fullness. It means royalty. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You are royalty. No, you need to look in the mirror when you go home and say, I'm royalty. You need to get that other image that Satan or ugly family have put on you and realize that you're royalty. I'm royalty. It doesn't matter what they say about me. What matters is what I say about me. What they say about me, I don't need to repeat. What I say about me is what counts. That's why I'm going to be like David. You never run at a giant with your mouth shut. Whatever you're facing, the, your words. Come on, you're created. For the, the word of God is powerful in your life and in your mouth. And just because you don't see an instant translation when you begin to speak it, you keep talking God's word and God's word will become your reality. That is a promise. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, says this, But if our gospel, our good news is hidden, it's hidden to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded. That's why, that's why I get so upset with politicians sometimes. None of you ever do, right? But, I, but uh, this verse keeps tugging me back. It's, it, if I knew how many devils these guys were fighting in Ottawa or Washington, I'd probably be a little more gracious with my words. He said, if this gospel is hidden, it's hidden to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. I like this. Lest the light of the glorious good news of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. In other words, I don't have to qualify. 
<laughs> you don't have to qualify to preach this. You're born again, you're qualified. He said, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Look at this. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so when I read that, I'm thinking, I'm thinking all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered upon the waters. And so your situation might be without form and void, and there might be darkness upon the face of the deep. But the Holy Ghost is shining upon the waters. And, and all God had to say was, all God had to say was all that you need to say, to speak the positive result, not the negative circumstance. He didn't say, wow, it's dark out here and it just keeps getting worse. No, he said, let there be light. And there was. And so when you read that, he's saying, this is how you operate in the power, and this is how you operate in the glory. This is how you operate in the things of the Spirit of God. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth. You know, you need to look up every day and say, I'm anointed. How do I know? Because John 2.20 says that I have an unction from the Holy One. I'm anointed. I'm anointed and appointed and born into the kingdom for such a time as this. I can read Isaiah 10 and verse 25, and it says, The anointing that I received is burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. I've got burden-removing, yoke-destroying power on me. How Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How Rick and Ann would go about doing good and healing all that are oppressed with the devil, for God is what? The same Holy Ghost. No, it's the same, it's the same, it's not a different Holy Ghost. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. How God anointed Rick and Ann Wood with the Holy Ghost and with power. What, why do we differentiate and think, well, I got a lesser version of that? No, it's the same Holy Ghost. It's, that's why he prayed that you'd get wisdom and revelation knowledge. You can't touch this with your mind. Your mind won't believe it. You get it in your heart. You get it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. And the more you confess it with your mouth, you change the way you think about it. Now you begin to see yourself in a whole different level. Now you begin to see yourself the good way God does. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them dominate their environment. There's no inferiority in any of those statements. Christ in you. Christ in you. Where is this Christ? Where is he? Come on, that's Romans 10. Shall we go up and get him? Shall we go down and bring him back from the dead? No, the word is nigh you. Even in your mouth and in your heart, it's the word of faith that we preach. I don't have to go get him. He's already here. How is he here? In my word that I speak. In his, my, when I put his word in my mouth, he, that's him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the word. When I speak the word, I'm speaking him. 
When I declare the word, Jeremiah 1.12 says, he watches over his word to perform it. So when I declare his word, I can go to bed because he performs it. Again, that's what Abraham figured out. He said, I'm 100 years old. My old lady's not doing all that well either, age-wise. He said, but what he has promised, he is powerful to perform. I'm not the performer of the word. I'm the believer of the word. I'm the declarer of the word. I speak his word. What if it doesn't happen overnight? He cursed the fig tree that didn't happen overnight. It was the next day when they saw it dried up from the root. And that's him. He tells me that he'll make me into a new sharp threshing instrument. Having teeth, I'll thresh the mountains and beat them small. Turn the hills to chaff, the wind will carry them away. Whirlwind will scatter them and I'll rejoice in the Lord. I might have to talk to it a few times. But I don't quit talking. Call in those things, Romans 4.17, call in those things that be not as though they were. Calling it the way I want it. Not saying, wow, it's dark out here. The earth is without form and void. No, light be. Interesting, when you read that word too in the Hebrew, it's the letter, hey, Holy Ghost. Circumstances are changing for you right now where you're sitting in here. When you're sitting in the corporate anointing, the things that you were dealing with at home are being changed. He said in Psalm 138, verse 8, I perfect those things that concern you. Or is that verse 2? One or the other. I will perfect those things that concern you. After you've suffered a while, I will make you complete. I will make you perfect. I will strengthen, establish, and settle you. After you've suffered a while, if you've suffered the dying of your flesh so that the Spirit can get some ascension in your life. After you've suffered a while, why did he have to put that in there? No, he starts off so good. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. Goes about seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing these same afflictions are being worked out in your brethren in the world. I like that part. Then the next part is, but the God of all grace, who calls by his eternal. After you have suffered a while. How many of you have been a while? <laughs> it's been a while, but then Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, whom having not seen you love is with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then he said, the fiery, he talks about the fiery trial of your faith. Oh, bring it on. <laughs> How many of you pray that? The fiery trial of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes. We watched James and Heather go through fiery trial of faith getting this new house that delivered it. You can go and enjoy it with them, but we know there's, there's a backstory. <laughs> Fight. Fight is the word ego needs, oh my. How many of you know that that's probably not a good word? Fight the good fight. Agonize. Agony. Oh, sign me up. Sign me up for some agony. Get in line. The line up over here for agony. The line up over here for nothing but, a, nothing but the blessing. If you just get the blessing, you'd be like the guy that was raising the monarch butterflies. 
and he was watching them struggle in the cocoon, so he made a slit in one. And the, that one came out onto the windowsill and looked just like the rest of them. Couldn't fly. Needed the struggle. <laughs> Building up your most holy faith. Building your faith. I don't want that. I don't either. <laughs> I'm pastor here and I want nothing to do with any of that. But here we are. So like we used to talk when we were kids at Michael Wall School, if you can't get out of it, get into it. Yeah. That meant if the bully was picking on you, you're going to have to finally not go down and get an equalizer. <laughs> no, you can pick up an equalizer. I don't care how big the person is. There's something laying around. <laughs> like Moses used his rod to part the Red Sea. I've parted some stuff with my rod too. Part of the guy's hair real good one day. Yep. <laughs> no, but I was little. He was big. He never bothered me anymore. It was over. That's how you do the devil. Run him off, he'll go down the street and bother somebody else. He'll leave you alone after a while. Yeah, anyway, praise the Lord. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.